Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Growth is tough. Growth oftentimes comes with adversity, difficulty, takes a lot of patience because it takes a lot of time. A lot of times you don't even realize that you've grown until you look years behind you and then you realize how far you've come and how you've evolved and the concept of evolving of oneself is also difficult sometimes we tend to live in the past things that we may have been remembered for whether it be an artistic work or something that you used to be able to do there's a maybe even a temptation to hold on to those things or identify yourself through that but As I've grown and as I've been getting older and and even been in the dance game for 20 plus years, I've learned to embrace that it's okay to change, it's okay to evolve, and as long as you're progressing forward, uh, that's ultimately the goal, to keep moving forward. My guest today is singer-songwriter, The Hold Up, Mike Garmany. Um, I found Mike's music, I found The Hold Up music on Spotify sometime last year, popped up on my New Music Friday and um, I just vibed with his song Gotta Be and choreographed to it, put a video out and through the wonderful interwebs, he caught wind of it and uh, we connected and uh, we've been interacting since then and uh, you know, I asked him to come onto the pod and what's great about this episode, though being a fan of his music, I think it's great to be able to understand the artist himself and the person, where where the music is coming from. And he talks about his evolution of just him as an artist from the the music that he used to be inspired by to how that has evolved and fused into so many different things. And he talks about the early beginnings of The Hold Up as a band and how it's evolved into him just becoming a solo artist. What I really appreciated about this interaction in particular was his honesty. Uh, a lot of times it's it's tough to talk about the difficulties and even quote unquote drama, stuff that has happened that is not so sexy to talk about. I think he has a very just unfiltered way of just being very real and transparent. And I think that's his strength, to be honest with you. I think this conversation really allowed me to see just uh, even like his creative process, how it's not something that he fully enjoys all the time and which was actually kind of surprising to hear but makes sense even as creators and even though this is something that we're supposed to do and be able to kind of have as second nature he talks about how sometimes he dreads the process of creating Um, all to say the theme that really stuck out to me in this episode is the how he embraces his own evolution Um, He talks about what he wants to do with his career to his goals that he has even personally in his own in his own life to where he wants to take his music, all that. It's uh, I think this episode is really packed with a lot of just self-awareness. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, Lightning rounds, always fun. Switched up new questions. Um, He actually had questions for me that he had written out. So that interaction there was new and fun. Really appreciate the the just the human interaction that we're able to have in this. I think that's the the biggest thing that I took away from it. Uh, fun episode as always. I think this one is packed. Let's just jump right in. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. I'm your host, Ben. 
The whole squad is here. We got Justin and Jeremy back. We, they're outside the audio room this time. Folks, I'm very excited to have a very special guest. We have the holdup. What's happening? Mike Garman, he's in the spot. Welcome to the pod, bro. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming through. Absolutely. If you guys don't know who Mike is, the holdup, he is a singer-songwriter. Uh, in 2008, their EP, Stay Gold, debuted number one on the iTunes reggae charts. In 2011, their album, Still Gold, debuted number one iTunes uh, on the reggae charts and also earned number two on the Billboard charts reggae albums. The Hold Up, if you guys don't know, you guys need to get familiar. I'm a big fan of this guy. I found his music on Spotify on the New Music Friday. That, I don't know, man. I find a lot of dope artists It was on there. New Music Friday. New Music Whoa, Friday. that's big. I didn't know that. It popped up last year, and it was one of those uh, songs where... So I have... It's funny. Uh, Ving and I were talking about this. I have a, a, a playlist on my Spotify. I made it myself for potential songs that I want to create to. So mm-hmm. I just have a create question mark, and I just toss songs in there. I'm like, I might want to move to this at one point. And uh, it was... I think it was... November of last year, and I was just kind of like in the mood of like, I want to choreograph. I haven't made anything, and I was just perusing through my thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, this song. And it was one of those just like immediately I already started moving to it because you also had the the throwback feel to – so the song was Gotta Be, Mm -hmm. and it was – man, now I'm going to – brain farting on the the throwback to you. Desiree. Desiree. Yeah, and I was just like. I mean, man. to be fair, I don't know anything else by Desiree. It's okay, so, but like, that was that was the that hit. was the one. That yeah, was yeah, like yeah. a night. Is it eighties, nineties? That was like a nineties, uh, definitely nineties. And uh, and you threw it back to that man, and it was uh, it was just automatic, man. So stoked to find your music, stoked to run into you. It's crazy how um, the internet works, man. You put out a you know a video, and then the artist sees the video, and and you yeah, know, it interact. is definitely a trip. So, but man, welcome to the pod, man. Glad to have you here. Super excited, man. Yeah. So, uh, give us the and the listeners the the background story, the origins of where you grew up and all of that. Okay. Um, so it's the, I'm from the Bay. I'm from San Jose. Yeah. Um. So I guess it starts with my brother started playing guitar when I was like I was probably like ten or eleven, and he's like a year older than me. Mm-hmm. Um. So I saw him do it. I wanted to do it, so I picked up guitar, it stuck, um, I started listening to like, I got really, I went through like a punk rock phase, and that was it, that's all I did was play guitar and listen to punk, um, and then, man, there's, it's, it's, it's a long story, and yeah, I don't get give asked it, that often, so I do this have notes here. Movement in the shadows, man, give us the long story. So... That happened, and then I got into high school, and I started hanging out with, like, the bad kids, mm-hmm. um, who all they listened to was, like, they, like, changed my world by, like, showing me just hip-hop and reggae and R&B and stuff yep. like that, yep. stuff that I had never listened to. Yeah. I was just, like, a punk rock kid. Right. Um, and that, like, became, I became obsessed with, like, I started listening to, like, Bone Thugs and Bob Marley oh, yeah. and Sublime, just, like, all these yeah, artists I had yeah. never listened to. Um, and it became my whole world. So like around the same time I got in, like, it was when I first started partying in high school. We started early. I think I got, we got in trouble with the cops like freshman year. Like we were all out till like 3am and like, like idiots just like drinking and smoking in public. And, uh, 
our parents had to come get us and I got grounded for like four months. <laughs> so during that four months, I downloaded this free program, like recording software on my stepdad's laptop. So I taught myself how to record and write. Um, and I made like three songs and I put them on MySpace. And there was like this girl that I knew that knew these other guys who were trying to start a band from a different high school. And she heard my music and she made the connection. And that's kind of like how the holdup started. Mm. Um, so it was a band to start out with, mm-hmm. but like pretty quickly on, we got a manager and um, he kind of saw that like, to be frank, the music was better when I just kind of like worked alone. Mm. And so he was like, he was getting us gigs. It was like, it went from a garage band to like, it was the first time that um, we were like, we were actually like making money doing music. So everybody wanted to stay in it, but at the same time, everybody was like kind of pissed that I was like making all the music. And he was like, yo, I'm not going to be a part of this unless he's like writing all the music. So, um, so like that was like a year into it. And it basically was like, I was like a solo artist, but like I was in the band situation and we had already named the band, the Hold Up, Um, and so we were kind of just like, we were just stuck in that, like that image. Mm -hmm. Um, and things were, there was like a lot of tension between me and the members over the course of the next few years. Um, so like people started quitting or people like got fired. Um, sorry, there's just like, well, real quick, I'm always interested in the the origins of names. Why the holdup? Where did that name come? Honestly, I don't remember. (laughs) I really don't yeah, remember. Okay. Um, people ask that question all the time, yeah. but like again, we were partying so much uh-huh. back in those days uh-huh. that like I don't know. It's just the cool names. Quite you know, literally this, got yeah. lost in the haze. Um, <laughs> and so like yeah, it just stuck. Yeah. And the shitty thing was, like to be honest, I never felt like really akin to that name. I never mm. felt like it was my shit, like yeah. part of my soul. Yeah. But like the business was branded the hold up. So yeah. I just said fuck it and I just went with it. Yeah. Um so Fast forward, um, the lineup changes a lot. I dropped the song, The Drugs, around like 2010, Uh I think. I can't remember. But basically, like on a modest scale, that kind of developed like a cult following. Mm -hmm. Like we had um, like just people, like I guess it was like the internet. Actually, you know what? Mac Miller's blog reposted the video that we shot for that and i didn't know until much later because i wasn't like really involved in all the business stuff Mm -hmm. like i wasn't keeping track of streams back then basically like i was just caught up in the partying yeah i partied my way through like (laughs) the the first like few years that we were doing all this Uh and um it didn't it didn't really like compromise the quality of the music like i care i still cared enough about the art to like really make sure everything was dope right but like i wasn't involved in the business aspect very Mm much um and it didn't occurred to me that I was even like making enough money to do this as a career until like years into it. Mm -hmm. And I was still living with my folks. And then like around the time I was like 23, I was like, fuck, I got to get out of here. Like I started panicking. I was like, I'm never going to become an adult. And, uh, I moved to LA Mm -hmm. and that was like officially when like none of the band members wanted to come with me. I like started to split with my manager. I officially was like, okay, I am a solo act. Mm -hmm. And like I had to start, uh, like taking care of all the business stuff myself. Yeah. And I, I actually worked at Starbucks for a year when I first moved out here mm-hmm. and it was just so soul sucking. 
that I was like, fuck this. After a year, I was like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And I realized I was actually making enough money already that I didn't have to work at Starbucks. Mm, mm-hmm. So it was just like a weird, it's, it's a weird like kind of trajectory, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that a lot of yeah. people don't talk about. Yeah. People see like you have a big break and you go from like a broke artist to like super successful, but like that's not how my story right, was right. at all. You know, so that grind, though, I mean, so you were already doing music while you're out in the Bay, still living with the folks. And then, you know, there was the, you know, drama, I guess, so to speak. Right. That you were trying to figure out, like, mm-hmm. what am I a solo act? Am I going to keep with the band? Like, you know, you trying to have to or you, you, you in that space of trying to figure out um, how did you kind of like navigate for you to make those decisions? Was it do you kind of just in your own space like I feel like I need to do this are you like consulting with people are there mentors in your life like who was kind of like helping you kind of figure out what the move was for you um you know that's a good question like specifically like with what well I mean in terms of you in your career because I think the the reason I ask this is because like there's everybody that is uh pursuing some sort of art right um not not necessarily saying that everybody who pursues art wants to do it professionally or Mm -hmm. as a career but i think there's like we get that question a lot in terms of even dance when people like do i just do this for fun or do i do it professionally and if i want to do it professionally what's the first step how do i do it you know what i mean so like i guess for you as you are somebody who was kind of doing music and you're already getting a buzz but you're like i need to get out to la to make the the giant leap you know what i mean so basically that's what i'm saying this is what happened and a lot of people will be like People try and give me credit all the time. They're like, look how hard you worked for what you have. Right, like, right. And I never feel, I always feel a little bit embarrassed and like not able to fully accept that credit because like I said, from, let's see, when this band started, I was like 16. And then from 16 to like 23, I was all about the good time. I was just partying, man. I was yeah. just looking for fun. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I cared enough. Again, I had really high standards. So it was weird. I was like, I was kind of lazy, but just really wanted to have fun all the time. But I cared so much about the quality of the product that I was able to like still put out good music. That never suffered. Mm. But I wasn't a hustler back then. I was like, I mean, there was definitely shows where I was like super fucked up and not performing well. And like I was just making (laughs) bad decisions because partying was a priority. Right. And so I lucked out that when that song, The Drugs, dropped, Uh I developed that like small cult following. And then all of a sudden I... Because I stopped drinking when I was 25. Okay. Um, and I got like really serious and was like, I need to get my shit together. And around that time, I was like, holy shit, I'm making a living doing music. Yeah. It like all those years, I just didn't know. It yeah. never clicked. I didn't have a game plan. I wasn't really hustling that hard until I moved out um, to LA. And, and all the, the it was that, really weird. That decision making was all on your own. Just like you feeling like I need to stop drinking. I want to get like take everything more seriously. Yeah, okay. there was things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like 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 I said, I let go of my first manager, and there was a brief period between him and the next manager that I really had to like be captain the ship, yeah. and so I had to fucking learn all of bi- the business things that he was doing for me. Yeah. over those years, um, and I just realized I was like, fuck, man, like this is quickly gonna run out and i'm just gonna be like an adult and have no prospects of like a career and so i was like okay i'm gonna like really make this shit happen Mm -hmm. um and then like the not drinking that was part of it i realized like i just couldn't be as productive because i wanted to party so much yeah and i was like all right i literally gotta like cut all of that out or else i'm not gonna be able to focus 
Um, was there that was tough also for you to do what's like, that to just cut it cold turkey. Was that tough or were you, no? You... you know what? And again, I was lucky in a way. It's gonna weird weird to say that I'm lucky, but like I was going through. I was having like my first experiences with like severe anxiety and like weird depression that came out of nowhere. And so those were really strong motivators. Mm. I just felt like awful. Like I was like in my head, like I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew I was like mentally just fucked up. And yeah. I was like, okay, if drinking is responsible for any of this. Like I got to cut it out. Mm. So it was pretty easy just cause I was like, I don't want to feel like that anymore. Right. And if this right. has anything to do with it, I'm done. Um, and then it forced me to really like fill up my time and distract myself with work. Gotcha. You know, instead yeah. of distracting myself with partying. Yeah. yeah. So how long, you've been in L.A. for how long now? Like five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. And so out here doing the Starbucks thing, realize I don't need to do this. I'm going to just do music full time. Mm-hmm. And what was kind of the tipping point where you felt like this is going to be going to be the thing that sustains you, the music side of it? Um, I just was like, I can't do anything else, man. Mm-hmm. Like anytime I have a boss or I work for someone else or have like a normal job, yeah. I was just like hated life. Yeah. I was like, I just would rather fucking die than do this. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was like, music is my only way. Yeah. Like I'm making enough money right now. I need to run with this. Yeah. Like full force, yeah. you know? And was that off of uh, like touring and, and doing shows, live shows? Even or? just streaming, man. Because the touring yeah. wasn't that strong for okay. years. Because yeah. I was going through, man, that's why like, okay, Hold on. Full disclosure, like the first fucking like five minutes of this podcast, I'm like fucking having a panic attack and like trying to tell you the full story <laughs> at the same good, time. Man. Yeah. Um, there's just so much to the story that like it's hard to wrap my brain around it um, right. because I've been doing this. I've been doing the holdup for so long. There's so many parts I forget. But um, I think I had quit a few times. Like wow. in the, the length of my first manager, I was like, yo, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like I was unhappy with the situation. There's a lot of things I was unhappy about, but I wasn't sure what it was. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to quit the holdup. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm still going to do the holdup. I did that like a few times. Yeah. So um, I don't remember why I was telling you that. What was, no, it's what okay. was well, you I mean, the you saying like, okay, music is my full thing. You said touring wasn't really popping off. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. The going. touring. Yeah, the yeah, touring is yeah. what it was. We just like our touring game wasn't strong. Because band members were quitting, I was fucking quitting, and then being like, okay, I'll still do this. And so we never got to that point where it's like, all right, our tour game is strong, we're going to keep playing shows. Mm -hmm. So I was just living off of streams, just royalties and Mm -hmm. shit. Basically just people listening to my music online. And were you just like uploading everything yourself like how did, how does that work in terms of the the streaming game for anyone who's like not really sure how distribution to get is yeah. super easy now yeah. you can like literally go to like tunecore.com yeah. and you upload your shit you pay them a one-time fee for like i don't know two to five years or whatever and then they distribute it everywhere yeah you're available on spotify itunes it's that simple yeah and then yeah. they collect your royalties and pay you yeah for your yeah. streaming um, I was listening to some of the catalog, man. I mean, from your older stuff to, I mean, you know, as I was like doing my research on you guys, I mean, it's like, okay, you guys have a bunch of stuff on the reggae charts. And then, you know, I think the evolution of your guys' sound and your personal sound um, has definitely evolved. And when you talk about the different artists that you were into from the Bone Thugs to like Bob Marley, like mm-hmm. that's the spectrum is, you know what I'm saying? From punk, like all that, like there's so much that you're influenced by. Um can you talk a little bit about the evolution from where it started to where you're at now and like the way that you even even describe your sound or style? Yeah, it's really hard um, because I was like obsessed with reggae when we started this whole thing. And um, naturally, I was smoking a lot of weed and like that was my whole world, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and I still like reggae. Like I like the musicality of uh-huh. it. And I still like occasionally will listen to like some old school reggae shit, like seventies dub and stuff like that. But I never really um I never really felt like the like kind of California reggae culture yeah was like my kind of culture mm-hmm. so i was never into it like that so i it's when i started to like grow away from that it like there was this kind of like dissonance between me and the fan base because mm-hmm. the fan base was like that right we right. had developed that reggae culture and i don't think i think at some point at that point in other artists careers they may have like pivoted or like just basically quit and started under a new name but I think because I knew I was making like enough money to live, I was like, I don't want to like change the name, drop the fan base, start yeah. over again. Yeah. So I just started making the music I wanted to under the same name. Mm-hmm. So I started making hip hop and R&B and I just like, knock on wood, man, lucky enough, like the fan base stuck with me, which yeah. is crazy because if you listen to stuff from like 2010 yeah. to like a song that I just put out today, crazy different yeah you know like yeah. one is kind of like pop and hip-hop and r&b and then one's like like stony reggae right right um so i kind of just tried to play the balance between following my taste changes mm-hmm. like the music that i was into making the stuff i wanted to and then kind of still like incorporating a reggae element of the stuff that i used to listen to yeah um as an artist though because um i mean i think what we're talking about is just evolving i mean you're evolving as a as a man and um, you know, things that you're influenced by, even the things that interest you um, can kind of change and evolve. And then understanding that there is a, a market. I mean, essentially, there is art and commerce that like we're always kind of battling. Do I maintain, you know, like what I really feel as an artist or do I feel like I should put out what's going to sell or what people right. are going to latch yeah, yeah, on to? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how do you approach uh, creating and writing, knowing that, like you want to be true to you, but mm-hmm. then you're like, ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta like still, you know, I gotta eat. You know what I mean? So how do you kind of balance that? I think my saving grace is that like, as far as songwriting, like song structure and then melody, I'm a huge fan of pop. Mm-hmm. Like I just love pop melodies and stuff like that. And that always sells because the formula is just right catchy shit. Yeah. And it's not easy to do, but it's what everybody likes. Um, and so I just always stick through that. No matter what genre I'm writing, like my melodies and my song structure, it's all very pop. Yeah. Uh, because that's what I like. So I'm staying true to me. So as far as being like appealing to the masses, that's not something that's ever conflicted with my soul. Yeah. Like I just want to do that stuff naturally. Mm-hmm. So I'm lucky in that way. But um, as far as like, I don't know, I've never had the urge to just make like a punk song. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. so bad or something that I was like, oh man, I want to do this, but I can't. I've never had anything like that drastic, but I definitely like factor in the fact that I want to make money and I got Mm -hmm. fans, you know, and I know they're going to like certain things. But if I really, really wanted to make something that I didn't think they would like, I would still do it. Yeah. yeah. I think I've just been lucky in that way that I've never had like my own desires be in direct conflict with Mm -hmm. the business, you know? Mm So, uh, so with that song, gotta be the one that I found, um, you know, I discovered you through that song. Um, what was the inspiration to even kind of do that throwback to the Desiree joint? Um, what year were you born by the way? 90, 90. Okay. So you grew up in the nineties. I did. Yes. Okay. Grew up in the nineties. So I remember that song. Yeah. Uh, I remember sitting at my old apartment in Torrance 
uh, with my roommate and we were making some songs because this was at a point where like I had kind of thought like, you know what, I'm never going to be able to do the full on R&B thing. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make some stuff for a side project. Mm-hmm. So we started just fucking around yeah. and making songs. And I remember he played, I had like programmed some drums and he started playing like some chords. Um, and they're not even the same chords to that song, but I just started singing that song over uh-huh. it. And I was like, yo, I could flip these lyrics uh. and like make it a thing. So we made it full on, like, this is going to be whatever I want it to be. There's no constraints. I don't have to like appeal to the hold up fans or whatever. Right. Um, and we did that and I sat on it for like, I think over a year uh-huh. and finally like went back and listened to it. And like, I was like, this shit is fucking dope. Fuck yeah. it. Like if I, like, and I was so busy with the hold up, I didn't even see doing a side, pro- side project like anywhere in sight. Yeah. So I was like, this thing may never get released. So I was like, I'm just going to put it out as a single. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. I put it out. Everybody fucked with it. And yeah. so I was like, oh. Yeah, and it's surprised. crazy because I, when I discovered that song, I'm like, oh, this guy's like an R&B artist. Right. You know what I mean? And then, and then I, when I go into your cat, I'm like, whoa, this guy has a way, like, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the range of your sound is so vast. You know what I mean? So there's some, like, weird aspects to that. One, like, just to be completely honest, there are songs, like, as of a certain album and then back yeah. that I just fucking hate. Like, I can't even <laughs> listen to them, man. I'm so, that's another question I had for you. Um, but they're just like, I cringe, man. Cause uh-huh. I used to sing different. Uh-huh. Like if you listen to the first album I put out to now, I yeah. sing completely differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I was just like emulating people I was into back then when I was like 18. For sure. Um, and I was just singing worse, but like people still fuck with it. So yeah. like, I'm not mad. I'm grateful. But for me to listen to it, I, I just cringe. Um, and so it's a concern of mine now when things like that happen. Like I put that song out, um, a couple songs from the last record that are like in my top five on Spotify. Mm-hmm. People, I think one of those got added to a playlist. So I got a ton of fans and I could see somehow or another through, um, maybe it was cause it was like a, like a pop trap R and B, that kind of genre yep, playlist. Yep, uh-huh. And I was like, these fools are going to go back and listen to my old shit and be like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? And so I'm always, cons- uh-huh. I'm like, fuck, am I going to make these new fans and they're going to hate all the old shit? Right. Or right, like, right. But for some reason, a lot of the old fans still fuck with the new shit. So yeah, you I know, know, I mean, that's a very interesting, um, like, even just topic to talk about because I think, as any kind of artist, you start somewhere and you get better. This is just by nature. You start and then you get better. And people who find you in the beginning of it, um, who stay, you know, following the journey they get to evolve with you, you know what I mean? So there's like this sense of, I mean, you said you, you developed a cult following, the people that kind of mm-hmm. from day one to day now, you know what I mean, that are still probably just rocking with you still. And then you find the new fans that like may catch a single and be like, yo, I'm, I'm down, you know, and then go backwards. And so I think the the evolution of, of artists, because even for myself, when I first started dancing, um, it's funny when you said that like you sing differently and like you were just emulating who you were kind of into at the time. Straight up for myself too, like you know when I first started dancing and, and quote unquote choreographing, and I use these quote <laughs> air yeah, quotes yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. those aren't even my moves. I feel uh-huh. like I just saw that move in this music video and I saw this move in that music video right. and I just slapped it together. Which is how you develop your taste, yeah, yeah. and then become your own unique version of all. Like you're an amalgam of all these things you exactly. like. Exactly. But that's what I, I have questions here for you because I'm real oh, curious. Oh yeah, shoot, man. What do you? Uh, podcast me up now is, bro. There, is there anything you look back on where you like can't even watch it like you oh, cringe 100 percent. i mean it's it's those things where i feel like that's not me like that wasn't my move or i felt like i was trying to you see the inauthenticity yeah i mean in you know when i first started dancing it was i was a product of mtv when they actually played music videos still right, right? so i'm watching these videos and then uh 
I just kind of started to just try to copy and learn the choreography. And then I joined a team and they asked me to choreograph. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? They're like, make us a routine. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do that. Let me just, you know, do what I think is the right way to do it and just slap things together. Mm -hmm. So when I see that stuff and I'm like, why did I do that? But the crazy thing is they liked it. You know what I mean? They're like, make us more. And so, you know, as I started to like do it more, um, you know, I started to think, this is not feeling right to me. Like maybe I should try to experiment and make up my quote unquote own moves. And the more you start getting into that mindset, you start feeling, whoa, I'm enjoying this much more. And there's more integrity that comes with it because it's actually coming from Mm me. And then, you know, you develop and then you, you know, you take that, you take that journey. I think like a more like uh, open-minded way of looking at it or positive way to look at it is it's, it's just like a form of you have to learn the rules before you can break them. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, you got to copy people's shit before you have the confidence to like start doing your own thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the part B of that question is like, so I don't know if there's a parallel with dance because I have songs that people fall in love with yeah. and then they want me to play them, but I fucking hate those songs yeah. and it makes me cringe. Is there anything that you've choreographed <laughs> that like people, like do you have hits? Yeah, it's so funny, that man. That you were like, are like, fuck, I don't know why you guys like that. Like, thank you for liking it, but I, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I had a hit that people to this day, they're like, yo, that routine, drop it like it's hot. So when Snoop and Pharrell came out, Drop It Like It's Hot, I was on a, a team in college called Kaba Modern. Shout out Kaba. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they had they asked me to choreograph. And that song was, to me, was fire. When it first came, I'm like, yo, this beat is nasty. Pharrell, Snoop, oh, that killing song, it. I love that fucking song. And, and it's funny because at the time, a lot of people told me that they hated that song. They're like, I hated that song until I saw your, your piece uh, to okay. it. And I'm like, how could you hate that song? So that somehow, and then, we, you know, we, we uh, actually, like, won a competition, vibe dance competition. We won that, and that became, like, this, you know, one of the highlight pieces, apparently, of that show. Card. Yeah, and so everyone was like, yo, drop it like it's hot, drop it. And to uh-huh. this day, they're like, yo, Ben, drop it like it's hot. And I'm just like, yeah. And, and it's <laughs> funny because, you know, I mean, at the time, I, I of course, I loved, you know, the movement because that was me at the time. But right. I totally don't move like that anymore, mm-hmm. too. And the funny thing is, and this was this was kind of a, an experiment for me that like was very kind of humbling too. So I uh, so this was two thousand five when I had no two thousand four when I choreographed that piece, and I taught a workshop in like two thousand seven, and so this is three years later, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach my banger, right? I'm gonna teach drop it like it's hot. And I'm I'm thinking that. People are going to be like, oh, my gosh. But by then, you know, the song's old. And I don't know, maybe it was the class that I was teaching that maybe didn't really care for it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't get the response that I was thinking that I was getting yeah, straight mm-hmm. up. And it was very humbling. I was like, wait, I thought right. this was supposed to be my banger. Like, mm-hmm. the class is supposed to be lit for this. But it was kind of like, oh, okay, that was cool. And so that was something for me, too, where, I mean, it's 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 great to experiment for yourself as an artist and, you know, to be like, you you it's okay to have those bangers and for those who love it and appreciate it like let it be that yeah yeah right and then let yourself evolve you don't need to hold on to those things because you're like yo that was my banger so i have to like keep that in my mm-hmm. you know my arsenal like be okay to like move on from it if people are gonna you know remember you for that and appreciate it then cool but i think that's the thing i think as artists you have to learn how to let go of the things that you feel like um, may have been some of your greatest hits 
and and continue to progress because I think um, at the end of the day, you have to be good with yourself and you have to right. be in love with what you're doing and where mm-hmm. you're at now. Um, and your day ones are going to stay with you. You know what I mean? And if not, then it's okay. And I think that's the, that's the hard thing about this whole entertainment thing and artistry is that, um, you know, we're kind of in a business that revolves around people liking you, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And that's, it's kind of weird to say, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think that's how, um, you can keep staying in the, in the fight, so to speak, is be okay with people liking and or not liking you, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You just gotta be good here. That's mm-hmm. what's gonna keep you going. That definitely you know comes I mean? first, for yeah. sure. But to answer your question, yeah, drop it like it's hot was my. And when was you look back thing. on that, do you cringe? Not that I cringe. It's just like, dang, that's just not even me anymore. Yeah, you know okay, what I mean? Because to me, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, a better place. I'm proud of it from like where I was at at the time, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that was cool for what it was. But that's so not me now. You know, I'd rather feel that way. I yeah. think I'm not even proud of a lot of the things that pay my rent right now. Like. <laughs> This song, The Drugs, dude, like, I mean, I'm sober now, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And granted, that song wasn't, like, really glorifying drugs, like, um, so I'm not embarrassed of it in that way, but sure. uh, it's just funny that The Drugs is still my fucking number one song. Right. And, like, I just, I don't do drugs, I don't drink anymore, yeah, yeah. still gotta play it on tour, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, And it, like, even musically just doesn't resonate with me at all, but they love it, and I'm grateful, so, you know. You know, I mean, I that, that reminds me of, like, even Eminem, right? When Eminem, to me, some of his greatest hits was when he was just wiling out, right? right. And, and uh, you know, he's sober now. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think I would love to have this conversation with somebody like an Eminem of how do you, um, I don't think skill-wise he's, like, regressed at all. Like, no. he's no. probably gotten better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think he's one of the best lyricists of all time, straight mm-hmm. up. But, you know, the the fans that loved him for all, like, the crazy dr- drug, you know, using partying Eminem to where he's at now – it's I'm sure he's had to deal with like, you know what, I'm going to evolve as a man and I'm going to get better as a person. And look where he's at now. It's still, I would say he's still at the top of his game, but his sound and, and musical content is obviously matured. And, you know, it's at where it's at now. But I think skill wise, still very much up there. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And it's like. You know, there's things you can say. I don't think there's like a black and white definitive way to look at look at that, like what's wrong or right. But there's ways to kind of like reconcile. Like, you know, this is it's like my discography is my journey. And yeah. like that was an authentic part of my journey. Yeah. So like it is what it is. It's OK. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. feel bad about it. Um, but I have a few more questions. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Um, this is fun. <laughs> OK. So one thing I thought about is like um, ever since I got serious about actually singing is like the first thing I do is drink a bunch of water in the morning. And I think about like how long it takes me because like if you ask me to sing on the spot before I'm warmed up or hydrated, I'm a like completely different singer yeah. than when I'm actually warmed up. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if before you perform, what do you do to warm up? Uh, and and is water like does play any part of that? Can you tell when you're not hydrated oh, like by the way sure. you move and the way you feel? Well, yeah, I do the same thing. I, I keep a jug of water right next to my bed at night so as soon as i wake up i chug that thing hell yeah um just because that's just healthy and it actually helps me like wake up tons of benefits yeah we just need to hydrate Mm -hmm. but uh specifically for warming up for before i perform stretching is a big part and before i even stretch i just need to get my body warm so Mm -hmm. like i'll just kind of do like whether it's like squats or jogging in place Mm -hmm. or whatever to kind of get my blood flowing and then stretching is a big part i mean yeah i'm not 21 anymore so i can't just like get out there and 
expect to not get hurt. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Injuries are a real thing. So, um, yeah, for sure, I got to stretch. Did you always feel that way? No, I mean, what, what like made you go like, okay, I need to fucking warm up properly. When now. you just start hurting yourself, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, there's definitely been times where I would perform without stretching and then mm-hmm. I'll pull a muscle or I'll strain my neck. I'm like, all right, like no more of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so same. I was losing start, my voice on tour and I was like, all right, no more of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you start learning, you know, unfortunately you learn from your mistakes. You, you do something wrong and you're like, okay, what can I do next time to prevent that from happening? But even more than just the physical side, there's like a big mental thing for me too. Like I have to kind of um, psych myself out, meaning um, people ask me all the time and I'd love to hear from you too in terms of like, do you get nervous still mm-hmm. before you perform? That was my next question. And I'm like, I get nervous every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It, the thing Same. is, if I don't get nervous, that scares me because uh-huh. it makes me feel like I don't care as much. Really? Yeah. Because I hear people say that. I don't have that experience. Okay. Like if I don't get nervous, I'm uh-huh. just like, fuck yeah, okay, I'm comfortable. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll and fine. then you'll go on smash it still? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, either way, even if I'm like shaking going on stage, which I usually am, at least the first couple weeks of tour, within like two or three songs, I'm comfortable. For sure. But yeah. I'd rather go out there just comfortable from the jump. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but tell me why. Well, I think it's, okay, so... Um, yeah, ever since I started performing, because I never grew up as a performer. Like, I wasn't the kid who was, like, you know, out on the dance floor at the family parties dancing. Right. Like, I would always be shy. The spotlight you know I mean? is not comfortable. Yeah, for you. it was yeah. very weird for me. So when I started dancing, I had to get over that fear because you're obviously getting on stage to dance in front of all these eyeballs that are going to critique the crap out of you if you suck. Straight and up. so you know, that was something oh, that I always feared. But then... I kept doing it, kept doing it, and then I started to enjoy it, but the nerves never went away. Like, the performance nerves always right. were there, but just like how you said, once you get out on the stage and, like, you're in it, you're mm-hmm. in it. It's just the pre-stepping onto stage it's is weird. where... It's the transition yeah. from no spotlight to the spotlight that, like, your brain has to adjust or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean always get nervous and I think to me when I get nervous it's almost calming to me in a weird way I kind of get that it's like I feel I like oh this is familiar it's mm-hmm. not like uh oh I'm nervous what am I gonna do it's like oh I'm nervous this is what I I normally- don't relate but I can totally understand yeah, that yeah, yeah. I'm at least like yeah I don't get nervous and go like oh my god I can't perform right. I go like oh this is a part of the process exactly it doesn't exactly calm me yeah at all yeah i'm fucking freaking out but like i'm like yeah this is just sure. i'll be fine you know well speaking of process because I, I think creative processes are always uh interesting in terms of whether it's choreography or writing music mm-hmm. um for you do you have kind of a process in which you write music is it in a certain environment is it with people is it by yourself like how do you kind of create love to get into this because People, like, it's so funny. My roommate is, like, one of the most talented dudes I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, he's, like, I look up to him as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's, it's really weird to have this, like, this person that um, is so good at something that, like, I mean, he's better than just, like, other professional artists that I look, professional artists, successful artists that I look up to. Um, And I'm, like, the total opposite. Not Mm. in terms of, like, I have no talent. But, like, he was born to do music. I fucking hate writing songs. <laughs> it is, it's something I care about more than, like, anything in the world, but yeah. I hate it. It's mm. never, it's almost never fun. I look forward to finishing the song. Or I look forward to, like, just coming up, the, finally the idea hits me or something like that. Uh-huh. But in terms of, the like, the actual creative process, it's, like, the most fucking painful thing. So, <laughs> I'll go back to the beginning. Um, 
inspiration it comes in like different ways and it evolves you know yeah. as i get older it changes as i like kind of uh sharpen my tools and like perfect my process yeah. but um it used to be just like i might like play a chord progression on the guitar or something like that and that'll inspire me and then um or i might have like one lyric or like you know i'll have a bass line or drum beat and i'll just make something from there yeah um but that was always like that was more of like an uphill battle i feel like now i have more of a process where like it's more conducive to like an actual song that i'm gonna like so what i do is typically um i i'll like make a bed of music just like a loop or Mm -hmm. something in the Mm -hmm. studio and then i'll just sing gibberish to it Mm -hmm. because the melodies are so important to me right uh and then I'll make lyrics fit to, or typically when I'm singing the gibberish, I'll record it and then I'll listen back and I'll be like, that's a great melody. And there'll be like half of a sentence or a word there. And it's almost like if you kind of just don't think about it and just sing, your subconscious will just give you these little nuggets yeah. of like a song concept or something that maybe, you know, is like important to you that you want to write about that you weren't conscious of. Mm. And I'll take those like few words and be like, what is that about? And then write the song. Um, or you know, I'll just like come up with great melodies and a beat and then I'll like, I'll decide I want to write about this and then put it to the song. Mm, um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it, it comes in different ways. Nowadays, I think most of the time I'm more successful. I write a song that I'm proud of when I have a topic I want to write about and then I sit down and I start playing and just sing sentences, just come up with things that are like related to that topic. Yeah. Um, until I hear a good melody or a good line or something like that. Yeah. And then I'll like go into uh, Ableton, which is what I record on, and start like making the song. D- does your writing process take a long time? Uh, it depends. Um, it depends on how much I love the song. Sometimes I'll bang out a song in like a couple days. Uh, sometimes I'll finish most of a song in like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And then there's been songs that have taken me months to finish mm-hmm. because like, I just lose steam with it. I'm just banging my head against the wall and I'm right. like, I can't finish this. And I'll come back later with fresh ears and be like, this is dope. And then yeah. I'll be inspired to finish it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that you hate the process of writing, but this is what you do. <laughs> right. I, I feel yeah. like I wasn't, that's why I brought up my roommate because like, it just gave me like just seeing what he is just gave me a much clearer picture of like how different I am right. in that way. Like he wakes up and wants to like write songs. Like he's just always, it's, it's just so fun to him. He mm-hmm. just wants to do that. I forced my way into it. Like <laughs> I think I just loved music and was like, I want to do that. And then like hated the process, but was like, Oh, I can do it. Yeah. And like made myself learn how to do it. Well, you know, I love that because I can totally relate. Um, and you know, we we get you know asked questions of all all the time of how do you create? Or yeah, how I'm do curious. You get inspired Please and all. Give that. me your answers to your questions. Because I think I'm actually more like you. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy choreographing. You know what I mean? It's more of just like I got to do it. You know what, what I, mean? I do? So, here this we go. Is my like, calling, and yeah, I have to do it. Let's 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 go to work. Right. You know what I mean? And then um, and I look forward to finishing it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh-huh. I can't wait till I'm done. And um, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that because I think it, it's just different for people. Like I know there are people who, yeah, from they just wake up and they want to start dancing, choreograph. Like, hey, mm-hmm. you want to choreograph? Let's, Do you know let's... people like that? Yes, like, like who people... are who you feel like are your peers or as good as you, and they love the whole process. Majority of the guys that I'm around, <laughs> like so straight funny. up, like like oh, guys that are I downstairs right now, probably choreographing, you know, for mm-hmm. a TikTok video or whatever. But it's um, you know. And I, even when I first started dancing, of course, there was more excitement to choreograph because, um, 
I just wanted to get stuff out there mm-hmm. and you wanted to grow and dancing was like fresh and brand You're new. You're probably also a lot less critical back then. Totally. You know? And, and I think I did choreograph more often. Um, not, but I think even my approach then still was more of like, it was more stressful to start and more looking forward to finishing even then, mm-hmm. but I think it's become even more like amplified even as I've Is gotten older. Is it because you go up against the critic in your head? You like you know that you're going to go through those hours of self doubt until yes. you break through. Yes. Yeah. And you you start like second guessing every move. Is this the best move? Is this uh, going to be a blow up? Are, are we going to mm-hmm. get the oohs and ahs from this? And you just got to get at it. And especially when you have something to compare it to like your last blow up like for instance right. when after i did drop it like it's hot i'm just like okay what what I'm am i gonna, gonna do now this, how yeah. do i you know how do i come out of the gate you know to knock it out the park again and then you know you get into your head and then i think that's the thing that you gotta get out of your head about those things because you know at the end of the day we're creating to express and obviously there's you know a lot that comes with it you want to entertain with it and you know all that stuff but at the end of the day, if it's fun for you, um, that's really all that matters. And you keep cranking out stuff that's fun for you. Some stuff's going to hit. Some may not mm-hmm. be hits, you know, but it's okay. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what about for yourself as far as, like, uh, you know, you kind of getting into that space of creating? Not, I'm sure you're in your head, too, of, like, not every song is going to be a number one chart topper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, how do you kind of push? But that's the standard I set for myself, which yeah. is super sure. unhealthy. Mm. and stressful but that's how i feel every time i'm like this needs to be single worthy mm-hmm. and it's it's really hard to be objective like you know i'm too close to my own music to really judge it but i feel like and a lot of fans say this and that's why i say it's hard to like it's hard to know they're fans they love yeah. my stuff yeah. so they're gonna be excited about all my stuff no matter totally. what so i don't know how objective what they're saying is but a lot of people are just like dude you never like let us down like every single you put out is so catchy and yeah. good and I pride myself in that. Like, I don't know if it's the fact that they're just my fans and they love it or if it's true, but like, that is my goal. Every song has to be single worthy. It yeah. doesn't have to be number one. doesn't necessarily have to be better than the last one, yeah. but it has to be like kind of radio worthy. You know, yeah. it has to be catchy. It has to be like, you know, a hit or whatever. Yeah. Want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Meister Watches. They are truly masters of their craft. From quality materials and masterful timepieces to functional lifestyle accessories for the movers and shakers of the worlds they collide with, Meister is doing it. They've collaborated with some of the biggest brands in sports, music, comic book, car culture, and pop culture. We've actually had the pleasure of collaborating with them on a timepiece a few years back. I rock their ambassador watch. This one's my everyday watch. This one's my favorite. They are for our culture and for those that are on a constant mission to master their craft. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and pop in the discount code KINJUSPOD to receive 25% off your entire purchase at checkout. And this discount is exclusive to the Kinjas podcast. You won't find this discount anywhere. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and rock with the illest. This show is officially brought to you by Kinesthetic. Hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the K at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at Kinesthetic Brand. Well, speaking of single worthy, you just dropped a new a new single, Cool yes. Spot, right? 
cool spot. It's fire, man. It's out I, everywhere yeah, right yeah. now. Jordan, Thank you. Jordan sent me the song last night, and I was just like just keeping it on loop as I was driving. I was like, oh, appreciate you, man. Did I find another one? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was one really on that tip. Um, yeah, talk talk a little bit about like the inspiration behind that or the story behind that. Um, let's see. That was one of those ones where I actually just sat down with my acoustic guitar and started strumming some chords and the whole chorus just came out. Mm-hmm. And those ones are so weird. I want to ask you, I want you to answer this after, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like those ones that just kind of like, I feel like I can't even take credit for that chorus. Like I sat and had to write the verses, but the chorus feels like it just came from somewhere else. Mm. Like I sat there and just started singing and almost the entire thing was written in like a minute or two. And the hook is like, that's the gold, you know, like that's yeah. the hardest part of a song to right. write. And it's like the catchiest part. Of, it's supposed to be the catchiest part of the song. Right. Um, and I sat down and it's funny because I didn't even really, I think I was vacuuming or cleaning my room. <laughs> and I had like the cool spot. I had the one line in my head, like the first line of the song or something. Um, and I just sat down and picked up the guitar and the whole thing poured out. Um, and so I was like, fuck yeah, those are my favorite. You know yep, what I'm saying? Yep. Because it's like, it feels like it was meant to be. Like, it's good, and I didn't have to, like, really right. overthink it. Right, Um, And so I just wrote the rest of the song. The song's, like, just, like, loosely... I kind of just wanted to write a song where, like, every line sounded cool, and it was mm-hmm. just all kind of generally about um, nothing specific, but just kind of, like, just trying to maintain sanity in your normal life. Yeah. yeah. Um, So it's, like, to be honest, it wasn't, like, a super deep song or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think I was pulling lines from... um just anything that came to me like in the verses so like i don't want to take that away from someone if there's a line that they feel like you know resonates with them you know i meant everything but it it was just supposed to be like a fun kind of song you know it's funny when you say it's like not super deep and like it it just came out so fast and like those are the ones that we love it's like man i even like feel like i didn't even really try with that one right i was gonna ask you do you have that yeah so like um not to get teams just come to you not to get super deep, but I mean, the concept of flow, because, you know, we, we say the word flow all the mm-hmm. time. Like, when you're in flow, things are so easy. Blah, no, let's blah, blah. get deep, man. Let's get and, deep. And I've actually been thinking a lot because I, you know, I hear a lot of um, like I actually been listening to an audiobook called Flow, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's when you're at your just the right optimal time where everything is just like you're not trying. You, everything is just like you're not even just aware the flow of the state. time. Yeah, flow state. And I think... Um, yeah, so sometimes that happens, and I think the concept of flow is really interesting because it doesn't hit all the time, you know what I mean? And, um, and you know, you, we always try to, like, maybe recreate the environment or the situation, and it doesn't always work, mm-hmm. but I think that's also a part of flow is being okay when it's not there because I think that's also flow. Flow can't be, like, 100% all the time no, in yeah, flow. Yeah, like, yeah. you got to let it come, and when, when you receive it again, be, like, recognizing, oh, shoot, here it is. Be grateful for it, but exactly. don't expect it, you know? And when you, when you talked about, you know, you kind of being in that, you're vacuuming, and, like, yo, I just have, I feel like I have this, the, the hook, it's there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, you're, and, and even the, the fact that you called it cool spot, you know, not to get deep with it, but... That's flow. Like being in your cool spot is I like made that connection, you're just flowing. You know what I mean? Like this is my cool spot. Everything feels good. And as I was listening to the song, I think the reason why I was able to just keep it on loop, I was like, this is just I'm driving. And it's like because you know what? When I'm driving too, and maybe that's why I like love listening to podcasts and stuff like that. I just like to receive information mm-hmm. and some of it, you know, sticks. Some of it maybe like 
you know, one ear out the other because I'm just like kind of just driving. But I think it's those driving songs, the ones where you can just kind of be like, yo, I'm going to listen to that one again. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It's funny because that's one of my favorite places to finish writing songs. Is while you're driving. Is while driving. Because it's weird when I get stuck, when I have like an idea and I know it's good, but I get stuck in, I mean, I, I... make most of my music in my bedroom now so like the studio when i say the studio it's my bedroom yeah yeah uh but anyway when i'm in the studio i feel like there's a lot of pressure you know it's like we're here in the studio i have to like have output yeah you know but like when i get in the car and i go drive it's like there's no pressure i'm just Mm. here and so i'm more able to write lyrics Mm -hmm. it's mostly lyrics that like if i'm having trouble with actual uh lyrics i go drive yeah i'll go run errands or something and then not even listen to anything and just like come up with lyrics so it's so, funny that you like those ones you can drive to. yeah when, when you okay let's say when you're driving and like something like that happens where you pull over and you write it down no i have my you, phone so okay. i'll just like hit the i have it ready to go the voice memos yeah okay so you just like say so it i'll just like the, press record uh-huh. and start singing it that's and then tight. stop yeah that's tight so with that too yeah i'm actually very curious about um you know, the environments in which you find creativity because, yeah, when you say you're in the studio, the kind of the pressure's on, right? I got to be here. The output has to just be amazing mm-hmm. somehow. Um, what are some of the things that you do um, either as routine or to break routine uh, for you to kind of find those spaces? So you said driving, running errands. Like, do you kind of have routines that you kind of implement either whether it's like a when you wake up in the morning you start your day with this to you like yes. to end your day with this you know what Especially i'm saying what, right what are now, some of yeah. those yeah what are some of those routines um so right now my morning routine is i wake up and i drink water mm-hmm. uh, as much water as i can just to hydrate um because i know i'm gonna have to sing at some point and my voice is way better when i'm hydrated um and then i meditate for 20 minutes um and then i write these uh <laughs> It's like kind of cringy to me to say meditate and mantra. Like these are such hot button words right now, but I do it. So anyway, um, I write out these like eight or nine mantras, Mm -hmm. the same thing over and over again in my notebook um, right after meditating. Just things that like I want to be true or like want to feel about myself or things that are important to me. Um, And then I go run for 20 minutes. My like actual exercise regimen changes depending on what my goals are. But right now I run for 20 minutes every morning. Um, and then that, after that, that's when I get to work. Then I have coffee and then I do like whatever creative work I have to do. Um, I think endorphins are like huge, man. Like I feel so different after I like do some cardio, For sure. like way better. I'm just like, again, the flow state Mm -hmm. is like, I feel like you're much more, it's much more accessible after you've like exercised or worked out. Um, so I do that. Um, that's about it though. Yeah, um, I think there's uh, – I never – well, when I was younger, I never was a routine person. Mm-hmm. I think I just kind of started to develop that, honestly, as of recently, like the past few years, really. And why do you think that is? Just because I've been like – well, listening to these podcasts and stuff like that, and, and I'm hearing a lot of different people saying the same thing. Right. You know, so when you hear – a similar like messaging coming from different sources, you kind of start thinking like maybe there's something to that. Cause mm-hmm. even with like meditating, I was like, wow, what's, what's the whole thing with meditation? Mm-hmm. And like, I actually started to do it as of last year and it's become routine. And I think with what you're saying, at least for me, I, I mean, I know people meditate differently, but for mm-hmm. me, I, do the same meditation every day, meaning I, like my mind goes to the specific three specific areas that I go to every time. And what that does for me is that it's reminding myself and it's repeating something. And just kind of how you were saying you write down these mantras, mm-hmm. like pretty much 
things that you want to accomplish, whether it's a goal or something that you want to remind yourself, like you are this or you are that, or you can do this or you can do that. I think the the repetition of it, it because uh, you know, I think um, well, there's a saying where where your focus goes, energy flows, right? So right. whatever you're thinking about constantly you're moving towards that direction because mm-hmm. you're constantly thinking about it. You know what I mean? And um, I definitely believe that when you implement things as routine, things that, you know, whether it's writing or whether it's meditating or whatever it is, um, you set yourself on a course that's more geared towards getting there mm-hmm. versus had you not intentionally done, you know, like you can't think by default you're going to get to some place that you want to go. Course, you got to yeah. be thinking about, you got to have your eyes on the prize in order for you to actually get there. And I think know? there's like a natural element to that as well. Like you can't always force that because I remember being like 22 or 23 and, uh, and also like all of my, every time I've doubled down on like disciplines or like, you know, self-help or focus or things like that, it's always been, it's like always been after a really dark period in my life yeah. where like, I don't know, like a hangover spun out into like a weak depression or mm-hmm. just weird shit. And yeah, I'd be like, okay, yeah. I need to double down. But when I was younger, it just didn't stick. I knew that I wanted to do those things, but like, I just, I just couldn't stick to like writing my goals out or meditation or mantras. It seemed like nothing really, like I was forcing it. Right. Um, and I kind of was like, fuck, like, am I a failure? Is this shit ever going to become like natural for me? Mm-hmm. And I think in the last like two years, going back and trying and then like failing and then not sticking has all like kind of paid off because I think it might just be my age. Like I'm to the point where, uh, those things are so important and like I've already practiced them that it's easier for me to implement them now. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like it's not forced. Like I, when I wake up, I look forward to doing the meditation. Like Mm -hmm. to be honest, I don't know if it's doing a fucking thing. I don't know. You know, (laughs) I've experimented with different types of meditation on and off for years, but, um, but I just like the discipline of it. Exactly. And I think that um, I always knew that discipline was like like kind of like a superpower and I've always mm-hmm. admired people with discipline. Um, but I just, it was, I was never that disciplined and the older I get, the more I just like discipline. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's easier to go and do those things. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I don't know what the, what's the fuck, like what is the deal with getting older and like wanting to be disciplined <laughs> and doing this shit that we're into now, you know? But you know, I, I love what you're saying that you don't know if it's doing anything, but you love the discipline. Mm-hmm. That itself is doing something. Like, right. And I think um, that's something that, you know, yeah, you may, you may just kind of learn it as you get older, but um, we, it's easy to want to have these grand things in life. Like, Unless it's something that's huge that everybody can see, it's not anything. Unless right. it's that. But I think, you know, even as I'm learning too, um, not even just as artists, but just people, like celebrating the little wins in life. You know what I mean? When you, let's just say, you wake up, you drank your water. Mm-hmm. That's a win versus had you not done that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Versus, you know, meditating versus not. Like doing the discipline. And like, I was, I'm actually like listening to a podcast right now where they're talking about tiny habits, you know? creating habits is not necessarily creating disciplines it's creating an emotional connection to something that you know is good for right. you so if you like if if meditating is i'm just simply proud that i did it that's that's a win you know what i mean i would that, take that a step further yeah. uh to just like cuz i'm like a real i'm not a woo woo guy yeah, i yeah. really wa- i like spiritual stuff sure. because it's nice and warm and but i've always been like kind of cynical and like can I touch it? Right, you know, right. like you. I'm more of that guy. So like that breaks down even more to me on the most practical level. What makes me feel good about myself mm-hmm. and how many little habits can I do a day 
that keep making me feel good about myself. Because yeah. I think one of the, and that's one of my mantras now, I'm starting to realize one of the most important things to me in life is that I like who I am. You know what I'm saying? We're not like I like who I am because you like who I am or like irrespective of anything. When I'm by myself, am I proud of who I am? Do I like who I am? Waking up in the morning and meditating makes me, oh, I forgot one part of it, uh, makes me like myself. The fact mm. that I did it. Writing down my mantras makes me like myself. Running makes me like myself. Taking a cold shower for two minutes. I yep. dread it every fucking day, yep. dude. I do the it's, same. <laughs> I put myself through the gauntlet yeah. and I don't want to do it every day. But I do it and afterwards I like myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... Depending on who you are, this changes, but that amount that you like yourself, it starts to run out. You got to keep doing things. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Um, and so that's what that, those tiny habits that you're talking about, yeah. that's what it breaks down to me on the bare level. The base level is what it does is it makes you like yourself. And that's yeah. powerful because that yeah. gives you energy. It gives you confidence. It makes you more optimistic, yeah. you know? So I think those are yeah. maybe those are the yeah, things. Yeah, I vibe with that fully, man. Um, so where you're at now as an artist um, and in your career, and you know, I'm sure you know you think about the future, right? It's not like you're just living day to day thinking mm-hmm. that like this is going to be the same forever. Can't stop thinking about the future. So it, in regards to the future, what are some of the things um, as an artist and as a man that you're like looking forward to? I guess even creating with your career through your career, mm-hmm. but like where? What are some of like the future goals that you have? Um, there's a few of those. I mean, that's really, I mean, this is good timing, this conversation, because I'm, I'm, I think I've become really obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the, like, how can I consolidate everything into, like, what are, like, the four or five things that I want more than anything, and how can I just focus on those mm-hmm. and cut out all the bullshit? But, um, so musically, um, I'm really excited because I'm finally releasing uh, music under my own name. Um, I'm headed out on a six-week, to, or seven-week tour. Mm-hmm. Um uh, under the holdup, and when I get back from that, I have these an EP that I'm gonna drop under Michael Garmony, and it's Sick. some heat, dude. It's like the first time ever that like I'm like so just uh, there's no reservations, there's no compromise. This is the shit I want to put Sick. out, and it's catchy. It's not gonna be some artsy shit that's sure. like indulgent that nobody's gonna fuck with. <laughs> not to like toot my own horn, but people will fuck with the I shit. Love it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, um, as a man, I mean, well. In between that, music, and as a man, like, money, you know, I want to be financially, like, sure. financial freedom, yeah. super important to me. Yeah. Um, I want to look like a fucking superhero next year. <laughs> I'm about to turn 30, so, like, Let's it's go. fucking, like, yeah. yeah, it's time to look like I'm in a Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I said, like, my routine changes uh-huh. right now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look like that. Because for a long time, I would always be like, you know what, I want to be fucking shredded. Mm-hmm. Then I'd be like does it matter is it just because some insecurity in me and i always uh, talk myself out of being disciplined enough yeah, to do it yeah but then i was like this is stupid yeah. if i want to be shredded if that's gonna make me happy who gives a shit i should do it at I least say it. that i did it and if i'm not happy about it then then i'll fucking eat pizza every day whatever yeah. <laughs> but so that's another one uh-huh. um at some point obviously you know i would like to start a family yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. so that's on the list but before that i want to get shredded and make the money you know i gotta be like a whole person within myself so I those things you, um and then also like long term uh like the stuff we're talking about like just kind of spirituality self-help you know the hero's journey just life and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff i'm obsessed with that stuff in psychology Mm -hmm. so i want to do something where i can like i mean i know people say all the time that my music will like help them and gets them through tough times but i want to have like a more direct effect on people's lives Mm -hmm. so i want to figure out and i don't know what it is yet i just know that i need something 
uh, fulfilling that like I'm helping people mm-hmm. like with their lives. And I don't know if that's starting a YouTube channel about psychology or my experiences with like, you know, anxiety or like, you know, discipline and things like that, but something I want to yeah. do something. And I'm a little hesitant to say that just because it seems like everybody and their fucking brother is starting a YouTube channel or Instagram channel mm-hmm. trying to help people and inspire people. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be famous or rich off that or like whatever. I just want to do something like that to feel good. Like I really helped people's lives. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's really it. That's a lot. Man. That's up. a lot. I love it. Uh, I was going to ask you though, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I specifically wrote down, I said like, are you living your dream right now? What mm. do you see? I mean, obviously your dreams change as you get yeah, older. Yeah. What's next? What's the biggest thing for you? Like, yeah. The dream thing is, is it's, a, it's a huge topic. Um, short answer is yes, I am. But mm-hmm. it's not that when I was a kid that this was my specific dream. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't like I'm going to be a dancer that's successful. And, you mm-hmm. know, I was like, yeah, I want to do something in entertainment. I, I, I just loved the idea of, just doing something that I personally enjoyed receiving. And if I could do that for a living, I'd love to do that. And it became dance. And like, um, and just to what you said, dreams evolve too, or they mm-hmm. become maybe, maybe mature is not the quite way to put it, but like they become more solidified as you start to experience and like opportunities come up. And I think that's kind of where I'm at, where now my dream with literally sitting in this podcast room talking to you, talking about like helping people, um, it's interesting because that's become more of a, a passion of mine as of recently. The idea, not to be like, I'm going to help, just like you said, it's like, it's I'm going to thirties, dude. I think people. once you get into your fucking thirties, it's like all of a sudden you want to help people. Yeah. It's like you're a selfish piece of shit your whole life. And then it's like, exactly. And know? I think like, it's so weird because, um, when you start to get help or like maybe you start to value how somebody helped you or they Mm -hmm. helped you unlock something, um, that becomes valuable to you because like you received that. You're like, Mm -hmm. wow, that actually was very meaningful. I appreciate that. I wonder if like there's anything of me that can provide help to somebody. And I think things like information and and sharing life experiences just through a podcast right definitely um is become like in a weird way like becoming the dream you know and it's Mm -hmm. it's because dance has afforded me to get to a place where you know whether it's people follow kinjas or me personally whatever because of the dance side um now kind of evolving to like wow look at where we're at and now people are listening you know what i'm saying so um i think 100% i'm living my dream that's constantly evolving and i think it's taking shape in a way where i feel fulfilled just like how you're mm-hmm. talking about like liking yourself better or liking your situation better because it's not about just you i mean i think it's right. i think once you start to realize that um even for myself, my purpose isn't for me to just have me be happy. Right. Like, I think even my personal happiness comes from serving other people. I was just going to say, as you get older, your selfishness kind of like becomes like in order for you to feel happy or fulfilled, you need, uh, you need to be making others fulfilled and happy or helping, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like your selfishness kind of shifts and it becomes like, it's some it's kind of still selfishness like i want to feel good yeah yeah but it's like i'm only going to feel good if i'm providing a service to my community yeah it's like that weird sort of duality of Mm -hmm. like 
it's not about me, it's about you, but by but it being about you, it's, it but makes it's still me happy. about me, yeah. But it <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. in fact, it doesn't become like it used to be all about me, now it's all about you. It's like it used to be all about me, now it's about everyone, yeah, you yeah. know, and that's kind of the thing, maybe. Yeah, that's dope. Well, on that note, in terms of just the goals that you have and how you're evolving, what is the concept of success to you? Um, there's so many different, I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. I'm definitely, cause I think about that all the time. Um, my dad used to like just hammer it into my brain write your fucking goals down, man. Mm-hmm. Like write your goals. Um, and I would write them and they'd become irrelevant two days later. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I'm still figuring out what success to mean, what yeah. success means to me. And so I, how I was just talking about, I started, I was like, I need to like go small. Instead of thinking, like, what's going to make my entire life fulfilled in terms of success, what are, like, the most forefront successes I want right now so I can continue the journey on figuring out what success really is to me? And I told you, I want to be rich, I want to be shredded, and I want to fall in love. You <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> right now I'm just focusing on those things. Yeah. Um, but that is a question that I struggle with, not in a negative way, in a good way. No, yeah, Like, totally. you know, I'm still always trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. But, um... I, lo- I love that because I think it also makes... It takes the pressure off of you feeling like you need to, quote-unquote, achieve success. As if, like, success is this, like, grand place. It's not I've arrived. Line. I've arrived There's, to success. No, exactly. I think, you know, even when you said, get shredded, fall in love, mm-hmm. you know, be financially stable. Like, it's it's just achieving those goals like if you're in a constant place of setting a goal knocking it out setting another goal knocking it out you're living in a Mm -hmm. state of success because you're i'm not gonna get shredded rich and in love and then be like okay i'm done exactly you know what i'm saying the marker's just gonna move yeah you know yeah so i love that definitely constant growth um um i think hold on oh you got you got a question go ahead but i probably have there's a couple go for it um did I see? No, nah, I think I covered them all, okay. actually. You got them. Well, then I'm going to fire off a bunch of quick lightning round Here questions we go. to you. Okay, just before this podcast ends, I just want to say a disclaimer. Anyone who was watching it, I literally, I sat down. You started talking, and I was like, oh, okay, now I'm having an anxiety attack. So I've, like, blacked out, like, the first five minutes. <laughs> I remember talking, but I don't remember what I said. So I hope, just disclaimer, I'm not trying stuff, to hide man. the fact that everything makes me nervous. You know what I'm saying? Dude, it's just all put good, it out man. There. You're, you're giving us gold, bro. If you're nervous like me, just own it, dude. Just fucking, exactly. there's no point in trying to act cool because you just look dumber. Hey, so you're, anyway, you're good, right, man. I'm you're ready. Good. I'm ready. Lightning round in three, two, one. What is your favorite fruit? Pineapple. What is your favorite beverage? Topo Chico. No. Yeah. What's Topo Chico? Sparkling water. Okay. It's just a brand. Sick. Or coffee. Okay. But okay. coffee is not a beverage. It's a drug. Wow, I feel like that that can go deep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would be your last meal, your dying meal? You're going to eat this and then you're gone. What is that last meal? It's funny because I play this game all the time with people and I think I never have an answer. It's hard, man. I know. Shit. The first one that comes to your head. And I always have like, my instinct is to like, don't be basic. Don't be basic. But my, I think my answer is pizza, dude. Bro, it's the same as mine. We're like kindred spirits over here, my friend. Let's go. What is the best era for R&B music? Ooh. 
Mm, I know I'm going to get love if I say 90s. And I might say 90s. But I'm trying to think. I don't know. There's a lot of good. Oh, fuck. I like so much R&B, man. So much different R&B. And I go through phases. Can I not answer that one? Oh, that's so hard. If you hard. don't want to answer. The best I'll, I'll era. I'm just trying to think if there's like one album. I, like I would, if I could only have one R&B album, what would it be? And what era was that from? That's a good way to think about it. Um, I'm going to go 90s because I think there was more variations of R&B back then. Like there's no boys to men now. Yeah. No and, one's doing that and shit. I feel like people are throwing back to 90s sound now. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. kind of resurfaced. Yeah, so, people have huh? been doing agree, that for man. sure. Yeah. Um, who is your biggest musical influence? Um, I don't know if there's one. There's so many because nowadays I'm not even a huge uh, fan of artists. I just like certain uh, like albums or certain songs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm going to say this in no disrespect that I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I am a little embarrassed to say this. Drake just changed changed things for me at a certain point. Word. Not a huge Drake fan anymore. Still like some of his shit. Yeah. But when he first came out, it changed the entire way I looked at music. In uh-huh. fact, he's the reason I felt okay doing R&B. Word. Because there was no one else that I felt like that I could completely identify with. The things they were saying, you know what I'm saying? The things they were talking about. Um, and it just made it more accessible. Before that, I was like, oh, like I'm... I'm not black. I mm-hmm. like I would feel like that's disrespectful to do R&B. I'd feel inauthentic, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like um and then Drake, I feel like just like the way he looks, the things he sings about, he was like a cultural like he brought, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Excessive he bridged the cultures. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I feel like he made it more accessible for man, a lot of people. Man, I, I I gave it to Drake as well, man. So I I think that's a solid answer, bro. Um what would be a dream opportunity for you? <sighs> Dream opportunity. Wow. That's hard. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Can I ask you? A dream opportunity yeah. for me? Um, I think I would love an opportunity to, and I, and I think I love engaging with people person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I can't do that with every person out there, but some sort of a um, environment like on a large scale where um, I can literally share um, whether it's creatively what I do or I'll just sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And we've done a live podcast event before. Um, I just want to take what this is and have an ability to do that on a larger scale with more I was people, say, yeah. Mm-hmm, scale it. So very tight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. Kind of on a similar note, I think that I want uh, a dream opportunity would be to perform at the Grammys and then forget my lyrics and have a panic attack on stage, <laughs> uh, and then just own it and then just let everybody know like this can happen because every time I watch the fucking Grammys, I'm like, who's gonna fuck up yeah. and forget their lyrics? I was uh-huh. like, there's so many Grammys. They yeah. happen every year. Somebody has to do this, and no one's done it. And I feel like I would be so honored if I could be the first person to do it that's... and then just make the Grammys like more human to everyone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, so I think that, that's my that's, dream opportunity. That's great, man. I love that. I love that. Um, 
What, what's the favorite, your favorite song that you've written? Um, it's not out yet. I'll pick one that's out. But my favorite song that I'm written, I've written is coming out under Michael Garmony sometime after this tour when I get back. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, but... Um, not maybe not my favorite. Can I pick two? Sure. Okay. So one is the song Imperfections because um, that was like coming up with the concept of that song was also like the first time I understood that like all these things I was insecure about, I could just embrace. It's kind of like a judo move. Mm -hmm. Like they're hurting you until you flip it and then you own it and then you use it as your strength. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? All the things you're insecure about, like, um, I don't know, own them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also the song Desert Island because there's, I mean, first of all, I think it's just a super dope R&B track, but uh, there's some just really fucked up lyrics in there that like make people go like, what? And Uh I love that. Okay. So. Word. Okay. I dig it. What is your worst fear? Um. Oh. I don't know if I want... It's really heavy. It's really heavy. It's about to get real dark, but I told myself I was going to be myself. Yeah, let's go heavy. I don't want anyone to worry. I'm not suicidal. I'm really happy right now, and I'm not like manic. I don't fucking become suicidal, but suicide, because Mm. I have this weird, like, super deep empathy. Um, I don't know what happened if I was going through, like, an anxiety or depressive phase, like when certain celebrities commit suicide, but when like pe- like celebrities commit suicide that I was a fan of, every time I just have this empathy where I'm like, I understand, like I could feel what they were going through. Um, and that's like, and it's just like really scary uh, to think about that. Mm. I mean, I, I'm, it's just, yeah, like it's hard. Sorry, I don't want to like it's all good, make man. it too heavy. It's kind of a complex yeah. subject, but um, I think that's my worst fear. Mm. Mm. I appreciate that, man. Uh, what is your proudest moment? Um, I don't know. I don't think I've lived it yet. Dope. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm sure I have some, but I don't think I can pick one. Yeah. No, it's solid, man. I'll take it. Um, give a tip for, um, like the young buck who's trying to like break into the business of music and and doing like what you do that's inspired by you. What would you give as like a tip of advice? There's so much. Um, I'll try to give like the most important one is, I mean, obviously hustle. Mm -hmm. Like the more you do your craft, the better you will get, the faster Uh, you will succeed. But also I think what I, the best advice I can give is the advice that I would have given to myself is don't be afraid to do what you want to do. Like, like embrace yourself. Like, because there was times when I should have like made songs I wanted to make, but I was afraid to, because I was, you know, I just like my fan base expected one thing and I wanted to do a different thing. But um, if I had done those things, I might be somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? I might be, I'm I'm super happy on the path that I am and like finding out like realizing my true self and being like authentic, you know, how I am now, but like I might have gotten there faster if I had just like listened to my own compass, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so I guess that's like it's both like listen to your instincts um 
because even if you're wrong, you'll figure it out and you'll just get smarter with your instincts and listen to what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid or embarrassed to do exactly what you want to do. Be authentic to yourself. That's dope. Less of, more of. What would you want to see less of in the world and also more of? Um, Less of... I mean, I hate to be like, it's kind of a boring answer, but less suffering. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm like a hyper empathetic person, like to a fault. So when I see people suffer, like I can like almost briefly feel their suffering. Yeah. And it's like fucking draining. So I just wish Mm. less people were suffering so I didn't have to suffer. Mm. Uh, But also I would like to see more like real objective self-awareness because I think that awareness is like this kind of trend right now. Like, which is good. You know, anytime anything becomes, like, really popular, there's, like, a zeitgeist. Like, there's always the corny, like, people take it too far, and there's people who are doing it for, like, the wrong motives and stuff. But everybody's talking about self-awareness, and a lot of people are, like, preaching self-awareness who really aren't that self-aware. And I just wish people would be more objective about it. Like, Mm. uh, because I think self-awareness is a huge power, and it's, like, really cool that people are talking about it a lot, but... A lot of people are doing it like just for attention or they're saying it because it makes them feel good, but they're not really practicing it. And I feel like if people were like, you know, really objective about themselves, it would make a big difference. Wow. That's solid. I've never even really thought about the objective self-awareness. That's really good. Yeah, because like you might, the thing is you might be aware of something about yourself, but then you like interpret it the way that makes you feel better. Right, Right, right. Like you might, you might go... Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm selfish, but like, I'm this and people like, I don't know, you like might flip it, you know what I'm saying? But if you're really being self-aware, you're going like, I'm selfish and that's not good. Mm, You know mm, what I'm saying? mm. Like a practical self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. What's your golden rule, your life mantra? Um, Maybe the golden rule, which is treat others how you want to be treated. Um, that's a great one. It's a fucking boring answer. Damn, I always want to have like the best, like you know, spicy answers. Hey, man, like, whoa, that is a good one. I want to make people that's think, but the golden rule. <laughs> yeah, it is the fucking golden rule. Yeah, it's just like I could see someone twisting that and going like, "Wow, I don't care if people treat me like shit, so mm-hmm. I'm treat them like shit." Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't always work. Um, I don't know. Generally, just try to be as good of a person as you can, man. Mm-hmm. I just wish wish that more people were like really. Everybody's trying to be good, but I wish people were more, like, passionate about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, trying to, like, really feel good about the things they do in themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the the funny thing about the golden rule that I've actually heard, just a different perspective on it is, you know, treat, how, treat others how you want to be treated, right? Mm-hmm. But um, another perspective is treat others how they want to be treated. You know, like, to think of, like, how would this person want to be treated versus... Well, I would like this, so mm. I would assume that they would also. Yeah, not like everybody's you said, the same. Exactly. You're right. So, I think it's just also treat just others how they want to be treated. That's yeah. a good. That's I'm shocked that I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good way to think it's about like it. It's like the same thing, but just from a flipped perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. True. Yo, Mike, man, I, I gotta say, dude, I'm I'm thankful that you came on here, and you know, from being a fan of your music, like I like I said, I found you about a year or so ago, and it's cool that we can kind of just. Yeah, just connect the way that we have. And, and, you know, I appreciate you coming through. And um, even just talking to you, man, like there's a a lot 
you know, I always wonder how artists, um, you know, when, especially for music, you know, because music is so powerful and, and, uh, um, people listen to it for all sorts of reasons, right? You know, whether it's just be background noise or to literally like kind of be a soundtrack to life, you know, not mm-hmm. to get super deep or cheesy, but literally no, there's a whole spectrum of it, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and, you know, just even hearing about your story to, you know, how music entered your life to, you know, doing a roller coaster of, you know, from having a band to having that drama happen and then figuring things out. And I appreciate you talking so candidly about things like that because... Um, I think it's, it's, there's a temptation to cover up the things that we feel like are not sexy and not like, you just said my golden rule. I'm sorry. (laughs) You just said it's honesty. Be fucking brutally honest all the time, no matter what. Boom. There it is. Makes things so much more simple. And I'm, I'm like that to a fault. Some people think I'm an asshole in that way, but like, I feel like it's just easier. Anyway, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, dude, this is, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like even you having that, um, you know, that, that thought to put that out there, is I think I see that in your music and I see that even in the way that you talk about your music and even like, yeah, when I listen to that <laughs> song, it makes me want to cringe. Like, artists don't, uh, may, there's a temptation to be like, no, yeah, my stuff's all good, you know what I mean? And like, I was going through this time, you know, like to try to make it seem a certain way. That's why I say about the honesty thing yeah. because it's, it's like, it works on so many levels. It's like, dude, I have a hesitation about being that way because all I have seen is other artists kind of act within these parameters that right. are all like similar because you want to keep a positive whatever. Yeah. But I don't think that helps people. Yeah. I think people who aren't experiencing those things get more alienated. And when they're like, why is not everything like perfect or positive with me? Mm-hmm. But when you see other people who are like stressed or not everything is perfect in the same way that your life is, you're like, I'm not alone. Yeah. And everybody's so fucking isolated now, you know, because of that's a negative way to look at it. Maybe we're all connected. Maybe we're more isolated. I don't know. (laughs) Either way, I think people need that honesty because it makes them feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. Oh, no. I mean, I guess what I'm also even like learning and saying is like I'm a bigger fan of your music because I'm understanding the the man behind it, you know, and where it's coming from. And um, you're putting out heaters, man. And, you know, like you said, that you're there there's just a sound that you know that uh it works but i think it's also um coming from a place where you yourself as a man you're evolving and you're um finding what is coming out of you what interests you what excites you and and i it it comes through your music man so um just thank you for sharing like so honestly like you're a golden rule yeah man thank you genuinely flattered bro i'm super stoked Um, that we did this absolutely man uh how can people follow the journey like what's i mean i know you come your tour's coming up um tour's coming up uh it's a co-headline with myself and this other artist greaves um it's seven weeks it starts starts uh first week of march um you can follow me on instagram that's my most poppin social media outlet at the hold up music um same on twitter the hold up music.com is my website That's new music up. coming out got the new project coming out so yeah yeah you guys need to hop on all that man i found this dude on spotify so if you haven't heard his music get on to it um yeah thank you again for coming yeah dude I appreciate it bro appreciate you dude um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're finding this episode by itself, we have a ton more. We're about a year and a half old now. Thank you guys so much for listening and following the journey. If this is valuable or entertaining to you guys in any way, hop onto your podcast app. 
Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Write us anything. Let us know what we're doing well, uh, what we could work on. All that stuff's very helpful. Um, if you're if, oh, if you're listening to this on whatever app, take a screenshot of what you're listening to it on and tag us. Uh, we're on IG at Kinja's Podcast, cast with a K. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, I love regramming all the stuff that you guys are digging about the episodes. And uh, yeah, just keep telling people about it. Keep sharing it. Um, we appreciate you guys. We got a lot of amazing guests like Mike and so many others that came before. So appreciate you guys. And we'll catch y'all next time. Peace out. Could you buy?